Hello and welcome to the Bulletin with UBS or Monocle Radio. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. Today, we're delving into the 2023 edition of the UBS Global Family Office Report. This year's piece has some fascinating findings, revealed thanks to a survey of 230 single-family offices around the world, with an average total net worth of $2.2 billion US dollars. Amongst the headlines, family offices are planning the biggest shift in strategic asset allocation for several years, due primarily to potential inflection points in inflation, interest rates and economic growth. As well as explaining what that means, we'll also consider why FOs are refocusing private markets exposure and we'll discuss what the primary concerns for these offices are and how those might impact regional investment preferences. With us on the show, we're once again fortunate to be joined by Max Kunkel, Chief Investment Officer for Global Family and Institutional Wealth within UBS Global Wealth Management. Max, a warm welcome back to the show. Always a pleasure to have you with us. Before we dip into the report, Max, remind us first, well, let's get some definitions. What are we talking about when we're discussing family offices? So a family office is a typically privately held company that handles investment management and wealth management services for a wealthy family. And uh, tell me, therefore, then, Max, what does the, the what's the report doing? I know it surveys well north of 200 uh, single family offices around the world with some impressive stats surrounding uh, the sort of average net worth. Just tell us about what you and your colleagues are setting out to do in the report each year. What kinds of trends and observations are you looking to track? Sure. So, um, as you rightly said, we're surveying 230 of our clients this year. We're talking roughly uh, close to 500 billion in terms of net worth, so close to 2.2 billion per family office. And what we're really after is getting insights on what they are doing, be it in terms of asset allocation, be it in terms of investment themes, be it in terms of operational matters, and therefore get an, an insight into not only globally what do families do in these areas but at the same time also regionally get a breakdown of how they are acting and planning to act with regards to some of those matters and uh, tell me then one of the kind of really interesting key findings actually from the piece this this time around max is about a shift that's underway or that's being planned by many family offices with whom you you spoke and it it concerns their their plans for strategic asset allocation we're, we're expecting what a shift that's well it could be the, the the biggest the most consequential in a number of years tell us about this so yeah first of all as a as a quick background so family offices as investors have certain circumstances that may not be the same as for other investors. So they do have access to patient capital. They are less constrained in terms of their asset allocation, as well as the services and products that they can access uh, compared to, say, institutional investors or private investors. So what you what you tend to find here is that they've built over the last two years, they've built up their own version of a 60-40 portfolio. So 60% traditional asset classes, where you've got cash, fixed income and equities, and uh, 40% alternative asset classes, of course, very much linked to, to private equity, real estate and, and hedge funds. What you've had so far is that there's been fairly little shifts in those besides some opportunistic elements that we've had over the years, but fairly little shifts in, in, in those uh, longer term. And 
Actually, when you're looking at last year, despite all the things that have happened, be it the historic rise in policy rates or geopolitical developments, etc., again, you're looking at the strategic asset allocations or the long-term mix of asset classes that um, they currently have, it seems that not a lot has happened. You're currently looking at 55% in cash fixed income and equities and 45% in alternative asset classes. Now, to your point, looking forward, though, some major shifts uh, seem to be on the way. And that concerns both the traditional asset classes, liquid markets, as well as alternatives. So when we're looking at traditional asset classes, for the first time in a long time, there is a plan to quite significantly raise the allocation to short duration, high quality fixed income. So concretely, you're currently talking roughly 15% allocation to fixed income on average. And the clients tell us that this year, this is meant to go up towards 19%. And then what we're also seeing is within, within equities, where currently allocations towards emerging markets are around 6%, there's a plan to increase this towards 9%. Quite interestingly, by the way, this is not just about China, but I think we can get into this later on. And then on the alternative side, where you're starting to see is a much bigger focus on broader diversification. So private equity direct investments coming down. And at the same time, you've seen an increase in private equity funds, private debt, as well as hedge funds. And just tell us about the drivers, some of the things that are preoccupying the decision makers and what lies behind this strategic shift then, Max. I mean, I guess there's conversations around inflation, around rates as always, concerns maybe more broadly about about growth, which I guess are all factors here. But are other concerns also interesting in the space? I don't know whether people are concerned about geopolitical uh, instability or volatility or whatever it might be. Tell us how some of these different themes act on that strategic shift. Sure, sure. So um, first of all, with regards to the fixed income part, I think the the broad idea here is that people see that the peak in inflation is in, central banks are getting closer to the end of this hiking cycle, and there continues to be a, a fairly decent risk that there's going to be a more significant slowdown in growth, especially in the United States. And that in turn means that fixed income now for the first time in many, many years especially the higher quality part and also the, the shorter duration part, offers first a fairly attractive nominal yield, second uh, diversification, and third the potential for capital appreciation. So I think this is very much what's behind this. And then with regards to what, you, you know, what we were talking about with regards to emerging markets, I think it's a mix of, on the one hand, this perception that the dollar's peaked, uh, the China reopening, and also a fairly positive view on the developments for commodity prices, all of which should help emerging markets. And, you know, in, in alternatives, it's very much this broadening out of the opportunity set that investors are seeking. Now, on the more negative side, because you asked about concerns also, so this is some of the motives behind those intentions, but what are the concerns? Look, concerns, there's been a clear shift. Last year, it was all about inflation. And this year, it's still about inflation, but not that much anymore. The big topic um, across the board seems to be geopolitics. So 35% of clients say this is the biggest um, concern that they have uh, looking out for the next two to three years, followed by a recession, in particular with regards to the United States, and then followed by, by inflation. But I think with regards to inflation, now the tone is very much shifted more towards, okay, where's it going to end up? So what are sort of the levels that we have to think about longer term? 
Yeah, that's really interesting. You mentioned the US there. And I think one of the things that I always find really striking about this piece, Max, is that some of the, you know, to do a bit of a compare and contrast on a regional basis and to look at some differences and some similarities across across geographies. That is always an interest, instructive thing to do and an interesting exercise. Uh, maybe you could pick out a couple of the interesting different regional findings and how they explain or what they what they might uh, seem to tell us about different, I don't know, behaviours, expectations and strategies in some of these different markets. Yeah, so what, what you're seeing, I mean, first of all, with regards to concerns, what you're seeing here is that Europe and APAC, clearly they have as a main concern geopolitics, so in line with the global average, whilst in the United States is a lot more about recession. And which is understandable, right? Because we've been talking about a potential US recession now for more than a year, and of course, nothing's happened so far. So people just pushing this out further and further. And at the same time, you, you've had this in peak in inflation and uh, and you're closer to the end of this rate-hanging cycle. So especially amongst our US clients, you're seeing a great deal of interest in short-duration, high-quality fixed income at this point. Interesting, by the way, that this is really still a focus on short duration. We hear that only 10% of clients globally see long duration high quality fixed income as an appropriate diversifier at this point, probably because of the negative carry and you know some longer term concerns about growth and inflation path. But this seems to be coming out quite quite uh, quite clearly. What you're seeing at the same time is, is also that given the concerns around ge- geopolitics that near term, there's still a greater willingness to invest closer to home. But then if you think about it a little bit longer term, what's starting to emerge is this idea that, okay, look, if you basically get into a world that is, economically speaking, more regionally organized and less globalized, so to speak, then that in turn means that portfolios also have to become more global. Because otherwise, you're simply not going to be able to take advantage of opportunities in the various different regions. You just can't access those opportunities just by investing close to home in companies that may have certain exposure to other areas. And you see that really with regards to the intentions also going out a few years with investors saying that, look, over the next five years, we want to invest more broadly, especially also in areas that might not have been that favoured in the in the last few years. Think about Western Europe or think about APAC. And as it was briefly mentioning with regards to APAC, what we're seeing here is that this is not just about China anymore. So a net 12% are saying they want to add to the exposure to China over the course of the next five years, whilst a net 29% are saying they want to add exposure in Asia-Pacific, ex-China. So looking for opportunities also beyond China and broadening out the exposure in the APEC region is clearly a theme that, that seems to seems to be coming out here. Max, just finally, let's talk about alternatives. There were some pretty compelling learnings in the report regarding that area. I think in the alternative space, what's interesting to see here is that you got, within private equity, you got a bigger focus on broader diversification as you have across all alternatives. Um, what you generally find is that there is a continued very strong focus on diversification, due diligence, and also differentiation of managers. From the ones that are saying they want to allocate to, to private equity, and bear in mind that still two-thirds of the clients surveyed say that they think that illiquidity boosts returns. So there's still a decent chunk of them that 
do believe that there's a lot of value to be gained by investing in the in, in this area. There is a, a bigger focus on over allocating to secondaries as well as technology. And you know, given the whole buzz currently around AI, etc., I think this makes perfect sense because you're looking at some of the themes that family offices that we survey are very keen to invest in. It continues to be digital transformation, it continues to be medical devices and health tech more than anything else. And you know, those areas are really areas that you can longer term really only access in full by including uh, private markets, given that only 2% of tech companies, 2% of healthcare companies are listed on the stock exchange. So this is one area. And then the other thing is really the, the, the growing appeal of hedge funds, which, for example, in terms of its allocation, jumped from 4% uh, from the prior year to 7% now, where it seems that investors are increasingly looking towards gaining exposure to less correlated uh, sub-asset classes, if you want to call hedge funds and a sub-asset class. And there, there seems to be a belief also that they can really deliver on on, on the performance promise. So um, you get more than 70% that believe that they can uh, achieve or over-achieve uh, on their performance targets. There's a big focus on, on macro, on multi-strat, as well as long-short equity in, in this space in particular. Real estate, what's interesting is um, that this is coming down a bit, very short-term. But what you're clearly seeing is that investors are still holding on to, to the sort of core uh, holdings and longer term also wish to extend their allocations again to real estate once you see that you know, financing conditions have improved again and valuations have come down a little bit more. Max Kunkel bringing us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance every week here on Monocle Radio. Listen again and explore more at monocle.com. That's where you can also join the club and subscribe to Monocle magazine. You can also follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also discover more and find out how UBS can help you at ubs.com. And you can download the GFO report at ubs.com forward slash family dash office dash UHNW. This is The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks for listening.